the good news is finally here. Friends, listen to me. This is serious business. What the world needs today is Jesus. The Bible says in John 3.16 that for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. And hello, everyone, and welcome to our program, The Truth Will Set You Free, Bible Prophecy Edition. I'm Vic Batista, along with my co-host, Nathan Jones, and we thank you for being part of our program here as part of the ministry, Lamb Lion Ministries. We have an exciting program prepared for you today, so we hope that you stay tuned and get your Bibles ready as we title our message, God's Funeral, as we look at Ezekiel chapter 39. For those of you following on social media, we'd love for you to share this program with your friends and family so they can follow along with us. But before we continue, I'm going to ask my co-host Nathan Jones if he will open us up with a word of prayer. Lord, we thank you so much for the great blessing of your word that helps us understand not only what's going on in the past, but what's going on in the present and anticipation for the future. So, Lord, as we deal with a very difficult topic about war in Israel, that, Lord, you will guide us through this passage in Ezekiel and uh, bless us, Lord, in understanding your will in your precious name, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Again, you're tuned into a Truth Will Set You Free Bible Prophecy Edition. Big Batista Nathan Jones with Lamb Lion Ministry. Again, our topic is that of God's funeral, Ezekiel chapter 39. But before we continue, I'm going to welcome my co-host of the program, Nathan Jones. Nathan, it's great to be back on the mic. Yes, back on the mic, brother. How are you doing, sir? Doing fantastic. Very exciting. We're entering into a new season, a new time season, Nathan. The weather is getting a little cooler in Daytona Beach, which is always nice. It gets cooler in Daytona Beach? Actually, what we consider cool is anything under 90 degrees. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's hilarious. I love so fall. We, Isn't it fall so nice? But you don't really see much of a fall in Florida, do you? No, not really. I mean, to, it, this week it was like 76 or uh, low low 80s, and, and it felt fantastic. It was in the 90s for so long, but so was Texas. Texas was hot this year as well, right? Oh, it was brutal, man. I saw consecutive 110 plus days. I, I've never seen that before. Once I got in my car and the car thermometer said 123 degrees. It's like, what? So, oh, wow. Yeah. A fall is very welcome. Yeah, so I think you you, you and I are both uh, going to be enjoying this new season of weather. And Nathan, speaking of season, maybe there's someone new. They just joined us for the first time for this season of a program, and they're not familiar with what we do and how to get a hold of our resources. Might you be able to share with them a little bit about that? Sure. Well, welcome to The Truth Will Set You Free. It's the podcast outreach of Lamb and Lion Ministries. We're a Bible prophecy teaching ministry, and our mission is to proclaim the soon return of Jesus Christ. Now, folks, we're excited that the Bible points out the signs of the end times that point to Jesus' soon return, and we're living in them. And so knowing that Jesus is coming soon, our ministry exists to motivate people to holy living and to evangelism while the time is short. So we invite you to check us out primarily on our website at ChristInProphecy.org or download our app, the Lamb Lion app, and there you'll get a wealth of information, videos, articles, social media, blogs, newsletters, you name it. We uh, want to help you grow in your relationship with Jesus Christ. And I think Vic, primarily, uh, at least with this podcast, we do that by going verse by verse, particularly through the prophetic books, but we'll deal with other topics then. But uh, if you're tuned into this, you probably have a love of Bible prophecy like Vic and I do. 
Oh, thank you, Nathan, for sharing that. And not, but from time to time, Nathan, we get we have the opportunity to do some conferences. You just participated in one. Can you briefly share with us about that? Sure. Early October, I was at the Prophecy Watchers Conference in Norman, Oklahoma, and there I spoke on Vic and I, folks, who I wrote a book called The Mighty Angels of Revelation. It was based on our series going through the book of Revelation, and we dawned, it dawned on us as we went through it, there's 72 angels or groups of angels that can be found in the book of Revelation. So after podcasting and blogging it, we eventually wrote a book, and so it teaches through the book of Revelation but it also teaches angelology. So I've never encountered anything like it, and I think the Lord blessed it. And so, yeah, I got to preach on the mighty angels of Revelation on our book, and a lot of people wanted to purchase the book on our website at christofprophecy.org or Amazon or Apple Books or so forth. And so uh, I think it's a great blessing. If, if you love the book of Revelation and you want to understand angels better, then the mighty angels of Revelation will bless you. And speaking of books, uh, the second prophecy edition of my book, 12 Faith Journeys of the Minor Prophets, has just come out. And there, uh, not only does it teach you how to have deeper faith in the Lord through the challenges that the Minor Prophets dealt with, but now each chapter has a list of every prophecy and when the prophecy was fulfilled or will be fulfilled, uh, the errors, and they'll be fulfilled. So, uh, yeah, check that out. Like, if you're checking out the, the Mighty Angels of Revelation, also check out 12 Faith Journeys of the Minor Prophets. That is uh, great resources to help individuals grow. So we want to encourage you, if you just enter into this season of being part of our podcast, check out these amazing resources to help you grow and have a better understanding of what's really going on around the world. Nathan, speaking about what's going on around the world, you and I have started journeying through the book of Ezekiel, talking about these major wars and how it's going to affect Israel. And literally this week, we find so much of that just exploding right before our eyes in terms of the attacks on Israel. Would you be able to bring us up to date, Nathan, a little bit regarding what's going on in Israel? Well, certainly. Uh, again, things are changing fast. So by the time you hear this, there might be a whole different aspect to the war. But as of this point on October 7th, a Saturday morning, Hamas, backed by Iran and some believe even Russia, uh, broke through the barrier out through Gaza and they... Uh, for five hours, ran rampage. First, they attacked an Israeli rave, uh, killing about 700 of the people at the rave. They kidnapped uh, 100 or so people. They dragged one woman in her underwear out, tied her to a car and drove her, and they got back into Gaza, and they buried these people in their tunnels to prevent Israel from shattering their tunnels, which is what they usually do. And it, it was like something out of a G.I. Joe episode. They were paragliding in. They were sending drones in. They're running in on ATVs, about 700 to 1,200 terrorists pouring into Israel. And so uh, Israel, of course, responded. And uh, we have to a little historical background here is that the people live in the Gaza Strip. It's not very big. It's only the size of Vigia County here in the United States. But it's a land that traditionally you go back to was the Philistines. The Philistines used to live there. And, of course, there's no Philistines anymore. But... When Israel fell to the Romans in 70 AD, the Romans renamed the land after the Bar Kokhba revolt into Palestine, which is a, a run-on of Philistine to insult the Jewish people. So the people that live there now are called Palestinians, even though there is no such thing as a Palestinian ethnically. They're either Syrian or Arab. So here you've got these Arab pockets, both there in the West Bank of the Jordan River up in the uh, some, what was Samaria back in Bible times, 
and they're very hostile to Israel. They want the Jewish people out. They claim it's their land, even though they were part of an invasion force. And back in when Israel became a nation in 1948, the promise from the Arab nations was, well, you guys go get on the border. And as soon as we defeat these Jewish people, you can take their land. But miraculously, the Jewish people overcame the hostile Arab neighbors and these people were left and they the nations that sent them would not let them back in. So they put them in refugee camps, you know, camps that have been around for 70 plus years. And so these people became eventually known, thanks to Yasser Arafat and the PLO, as the Palestinian people. Well, the Palestinian people are taught from cradle to grave to hate the Jewish people. So it's an unending hatred that never stops generation after generation. And they're led not by elected officials, but terrorist organizations. So you've got different factions like FADA up in the West Bank is run by, um, oh shoot, I just, <laughs> his name just popped out of my head. Uh, uh, tell me, Vic, what's the name of the guy in charge of FADA? Oh uh, boy, Nathan, actually I was going to, uh, while you're thinking of that, because I'm in the same way, I was in the middle of a quick article here, but uh, let me just also jump in there while you're thinking about that, because maybe some people are not too familiar with Hamas at all. But oh, Mahmoud Hamas, Abbas, thank you. It rhymes yeah. with Hamas. Yeah. I was having a senior moment. Isn't that awful? Yes. Yeah, so you got Mahmoud Abbas and Fatah, and he's in his, what, like his 16th year of his four-year election. He won't step <laughs> down. And then you've got the more radical, younger Hamas down in Gaza. You also have the Islamic Jihad, the Muslim Brotherhood. I mean, you name it, these people are controlled by terrorists. So I feel feel a lot for the for the Palestinian people because they are under the thumb of, imagine a terrorist group running your country. That's what's happening there. So what's yeah. your article? Yeah, well, Nathan, it, it was basically like you and I were talking earlier in terms of what's going on and how little people really understand how all this ties in. Uh, to Israel, they hear the word Hamas, they hear about the Palestinians, they hear about terrorist groups, but many people don't really know or tie these together. And this article is found on cfr.org and it talks about the introduction to Hamas. And it says Hamas is an, is, is, an, Islam, excuse me, is an Islamist militant movement and one of the Palestinian terrorists, two major political parties. It governs more than 2 million Palestinians in Gaza Strips, but the group is best known for its armed resistance uh, to Israel. And of course, as you mentioned, in October 2023, that's just uh, this month, Hamas launched a massive surprise attack on southern Israel, killing hundreds of civilians and soldiers and taking dozens more hostages. Israel has declared war on the group in response and indicate its military is planning for a long campaign uh, to defeat it. Dozens of countries have de designated Hamas as a terrorist organization, though some apply this label only to its military wing. Iran provides it with materials and financial support, and Turkey reportedly harbors some of its top leaders. And exactly what you're saying, Nathan, this is really who these groups are and what's going on in Israel. Yeah, and because they, every time they attack Israel, Israel then kills their leadership, they have an ever-revolving leadership. So you really can't say, well, this guy's in charge of Hamas or that, because it changes based on the week. And it's sad is that most of it is very young men, you know, late teens, early 20s, who they actually have day camps for preschoolers 
that are Hamas-led that teach them to kill a Jew. Can you imagine teaching a three, four, five-year-old how to kill a Jew? And so, of course, they grow up and they hate Jews. And so it's interesting, back in 2005, now, uh, the Gaza Strip was controlled by Israel until George W. Bush came in and said, okay, we need a two-state solution. You need to trade land for peace. So very painfully, the Jewish people gave up the Gaza Strip along the Mediterranean, and you can see terrible videos, just heartbreaking as Jewish settlers were dragged out and they, they left their homes. Well, so the Palestinians in the Gaza Strip, instead of taking all the money they were getting in aid and continue to get from the world, uh, they put it towards militant use. Matter of fact, all the greenhouses, it's interesting, the Gaza Strip used to be a breadbasket. It used to be so productive. But the Palestinian people, what they did is they, they took the bulldozers and they bulldozed down all the greenhouses and you know celebrated that the Jews were out the whole time. But then they destroyed the ground by doing that, by mixing the plastics in with the soils. So the soils don't grow. So the Gaza Strip is no longer productive anymore. Whatever the Jews touch, the Lord makes fruitful. Whatever the Arabs touch, it, it turns... <laughs> Uh, unfruitful. And that's what's happened here because there's invaders living on the promised land. And so that's all that, that Hamas has. And even Israel. Okay, so when Israel pulled out, the infrastructure is still based on the power plants and water plants in Israel. So Israel's like, okay, you've got your own country now. Uh, you need to start paying for the electricity and water. And they're like, no. And they threw a big fit. And oh, look, the the, the evil Israelis are turning off our electricity. So Israel has been giving them free electricity and water for years now. Well, that's ended. Uh, Hamas has, has pushed the Jews past their limit, and they finally turned off the power and the water and all that. Nate, and thank you for sharing that, because, again, this is the reality of what's happening, and the news happens to always twist things around to always make Israel look like they're the bad guys not recognizing all of what Israel is actually doing uh, to help people and to, and to be there. But there also comes a time, I mean, Israel is a small country. It's not like they have a vast amount of resources. And yet we find that all of what they're doing now, they're under this uh, um, hideous type of uh, uh, regime who is just trying to destroy them. And people think that Islam is just a peaceful religion. Now, we're not saying that all Islamic people are terrorists, but boy, most of the terrorists, right, Nathan, we're noticing they are Islamic. That, that Well said, Vic. That's true. Yeah, most Muslims want peace. They just want to live their lives. But you'll find that the terrorists happen to almost always be Islamic. And that's because Islam, if you go back to the faith, teaches that it's a workspace salvation. And the only guarantee that you're going to make it to paradise is if you die a martyr in the cause of Allah to create a global caliphate. And so what you've got politically going on behind this ruthless attack, by, and when I say ruthless, Hamas is beheading babies. I mean, this is how evil these people are, is that they're backed by Iran. And even though the people of Iran wish that their leadership wasn't there, they're ruled by the Ayatollahs. And the Ayatollahs are Shiite extremists who believe that if they can get all the Middle East on fire in a war, then we'll usher in the Islamic Mahdi. And when the Mahdi comes, then he will set up a caliphate, and those ayatollahs will be his, like his apostles, his servants. And so Iran wants a war to break out. So you can expect, and maybe by the time you all are hearing this, is that this Israel will probably subdue Hamas, but then Hezbollah, which is another terrorist organization that took over Lebanon and forced Many of the, Lebanon used to be a Christian nation, 
And many of the Christians have been forced out by Hezbollah. And so Hezbollah's got like 100,000 missiles aimed at Israel. And if they jump in and, and then Syria. So what we're looking at prophetically is, right, Vic, is we're wondering, where does this fit in Bible prophecy? Are we looking at what's called the Psalm 83 war, where Israel has to subdue their neighbors? Could it be Isaiah 17 and Jeremiah 49, where, where Israel has to destroy Damascus in one evening, likely nuclear nation? Or, as Vic and I are reading, are we in Ezekiel chapters 38 and 39, the God may God war? All good questions people are asking, right, Vic? And they are wonderful questions, Nathan. Again, for those of you that just tuned in, you tuned into a two to set every Bible prophecy edition, Vic Batista, Nathan Jones. Again, uh, we're talking about this uh, uh, wonderful topic of God's funeral. So look at Ezekiel chapter 39 and also what's happening in Israel today. But Nathan, one thing that brings us all together is that in order for all these nations to come against Israel, they have to be regathered in their land. And that's one of the things that you and I have brought to everybody's attention is that this is a prophecy that is fulfilled right before our eyes because none of this will be happening unless Israel was back in their land. And that's what you and I have been uncovering as we have been looking at Ezekiel chapter 38 and 39. Yeah, I mean, if Israel coming back in the land is one of the biggest prophecies in the whole Bible, it's also proof that the Bible is the word of God because what nation comes back to the dead after 1900 years? And yet, if you've been following along with us when we were going through Ezekiel, Ezekiel chapters 37 and, uh, 36 and 37, it prophesied a second regathering of the Jewish people back into the land to form the nation of Israel once more. It, it compared them to dry bones in a, in a valley, a dead valley, and then the Lord brings them to life and a nation sprouts again. And that's exactly what happened in May of 1948. Israel is a nation again, but... It's missing the heart for God. 60% of the Jewish people of the 7 million in Israel are secular humanists. Obviously, that rave that was attacked by Hamas, you know, not God-fearing uh, Jews there. And so what we've got here is uh, a spiritual war going on. And so God promises that once Israel is regathered back into the land again, then he's going to bring a tremendous cataclysm, a tremendous war against them for the purpose of showing his power so that the Jewish people will turn from secularism and turn to God. And uh, we are getting very close, I believe, to that prophetic event. Yes, and Nathan, and that's why we don't know the exact timing of everything, but we see all these amazing signs right all around us, the signs of wars and rumors of wars, as the Bible spoke about in Matthew chapter 24. So we see a lot of things unfolding right before our eyes. And really what this should say to you, if you don't have a, a relationship with God, is to wake up and recognize that time is short. Nathan, one of the things that you and I spoke about in chapters 38 and 39 uh, is that the common thread is all the nations that are surrounding Israel that are going to come up against Israel in these last days. That common thread is Islam. They all have a hatred for Israel. And uh, that's the thing that makes this so amazing is we see that all these nations right now, before they were nothing, now they're regathered also right around Israel, ready to attack. Yes, and as you, we said in chapter 38, we found that there was a, a leader of a coalition, the Bible designates him Gog, whether that's a, a man or a demon, we don't, we don't know, it could be a demon-possessed man, and he originates from Russia. So if the Gog-Magog war was to happen today, it would be Vladimir Putin. I'm not saying Putin is Gog, but if it was, that was the case. Now, 
Putin's probably the richest, most powerful man, maybe even the entire world. So I could see very much him filling that role. But God puts hooks in the mouth of Gog and drags him down to Israel. Well, there's no reason that Russia has had any interest in Israel until now, because Israel has their huge gas find, and they're directly beginning to compete with Russia for providing natural gas to Europe and the world. Without selling natural gas to Europe, Russia's economy will eventually collapse. So Israel has become a direct threat to Russia. So now we know that hook. And it says that Gog would make a coalition of, between Russia, Turkey, Iran, Sudan, you know, possibly Algeria, all those stand nations, basically this Islamic crescent, a circle around Israel. And we're seeing that in the news as these countries that used to hate each other are now working together. Uh, a lot of the attacks that Iran is, is supporting Russia in its invasion of Ukraine and Russia supporting Iran in its attacks against Israel. So this coalition already exists. It just hasn't come against Israel yet. I think Vic, we're getting very close to that because it's interesting in the Gog Magog invasion, it's missing the countries that directly surround Israel. Hence, Psalm 83, some precatory prayer, a prophetic prayer against the nations surrounding Israel, that Israel will subdue those nations one day. Brother, I think we're right on the cusp of that. Absolutely. And Nathan, and speaking of subduing, that is, a, that is the great news, is that God will step into the scene. He's going to, in a sense, knock all their arrows out of their hands, whatever weapons they're coming against Israel to destroy them. And God is going to be glorified. And as we look at Ezekiel chapter 39, we're going to pick it up in verse 11. In case you have a Bible, follow along with us. Nathan, would you be able to read for us chapter 39, verses 11 through 13? And I'll read verses um, uh, uh, four, uh, 14 through 16 in case someone doesn't have a Bible. Well, verse 11 begins, It will come to pass in that day, the day of the invasion, that I will give Gog a burial place there in Israel the valley of those who pass by east of the sea, and will obstruct travelers because they will bury Gog and all his multitude. Therefore, they will call it the valley of Heman Gog. For seven months, the house of Israel will be burying them in order to cleanse the land. Indeed, all the people of the land will be burying, and they will gain renown for it on that day that I am glorified, says the Lord God. Verse 14, and they will set apart men regularly employed with the help of a search party to pass through the land and bury those bodies remaining on the ground in order to cleanse it. At the end of the seven months, they will take they will make a search. The search party will pass through the land. And when anyone sees a man's bone, he shall set up a mark by it till the berries have buried it in the valley of Haman Gog. The name of that city will also be Hamana, thus they shall cleanse the land. Nathan, now this right here is really an amazing passage that really brings a lot of things to light. Oh, yeah. I mean, what you've got here, so you've got the Russian army, the Turkish army, the Iranian army, the Sudanese, the Ethiopians, the Libyans, they're all sending their armies against Israel all at once. And even though Israel has one of the most powerful armies in the world, it can't possibly stand up against that much firepower. So as we read in chapter 38, God himself steps in and he brings about Old Testament judgment upon these countries. I mean, we're talking about fire raining down and sulfur. We're talking about earthquakes. We're talking about hail and tremendous rains. It says that the armies turn on each other and start killing each other. And obviously what you've got left 
as a tremendous amount of dead soldiers all over the mountains of Israel. So Israel, of course, believing in purification and ritual, believes that you can't leave all those dead bodies out. It's, it's disease, you know, it's bad. So Israel must cleanse the land. So in the aftermath, not only is God glorified, because the whole world will know that there is a God. So I think this is a post-rapture event, uh, but before the tribulation or just at the onset of tribulation. Because what it says here is that Israelites, or the Israelis today, will take seven years to, to go out and uh, burn the fuel left over from the army, like taking the fuel out of their weapons and stuff like that. And for seven months, seven months, the Jewish people have people assigned to go out find the dead bodies and bury them. And it's such a massive process that they they have to set up an entire city named Pomona to work this out and bury all the dead. And they rename the valley, the Valley of Hemendog. So fascinating here that we've got all this going on uh, because it's it's coming, it's, it's coming soon. And uh, all the, the alliances are there. So yeah. Can you imagine having to bury the dead for seven months? Oh, Nathan, and I think you, one of the, the key points that you just mentioned is that the alliances are there. In other words, we don't have to guess anymore to figure out who these nations are. Just like the miracle of Israel being back in their land, so are all these nations ready uh, to pounce on Israel because they are also equipped with the power to do so. So in other words, all the guesswork is kind of taken out of these prophecies. And today we simply have to open up the newspaper. Well, we don't do that anymore. We just have to open an app today. <laughs> well, it's interesting. The Valley of Haman Gog means the multitude of Gog. And the town of Hamona means multitudes. In other words, big numbers. And that's what they're doing. They're gonna have to deal with big numbers of dead. In fact, God, it, you know, this might be a nuclear in nature, but it says that that these nations then try to rain fire down upon Israel and God turns the fire back and sends it to their countries and destroys their countries. So much so that only a ninth, I believe it's in Joel, only a ninth of the army remains alive. They go to the farthest north, possibly Siberia, and that's it. So going into the tribulation, there's no Russia and there's no Islamic world as a threat. I mean, the whole geopolitical uh, axis in the world will change because of the result of this war. Nathan, and this burial ground will be another Chernobyl, in other words. People will have to stay away as, as they mark the bones because of the, uh, the, the, the amazing devastation that the Bible talks about. And it's interesting that it might be the beginning of it with what's going on in Hamas, because in the past, Israel's willing to take a few punches and let things be. But not anymore. It was too savage. Israel's going to have to go in and take Gaza, which means Lebanon will probably jump in. The Egyptians will be upset. They're only going to allow 2,000 or so Gazans in. And uh, uh, Israel's going to push the Gazans all into Egypt. And Egypt's going to have to re And it could be that Egypt and Jordan will drop their peace treaties with Israel. you got Syria, which is already at, always at a state of war because of Iran pretty much controlling it. And so it looks like the Psalm 83 war is around the horizon of Israel takes the Psalm 83 warlands, then the outer ring of nations, Islamic nations, will now be incensed and join Gog in attacking Israel. Well, the aftermath after that is you've got Israel becomes a superpower, and it seems like the rest of the world sits back and watches why maybe this will give rise to the Antichrist rising out of Europe, as Europe will be pretty much the only superpower left in the world next to Israel, and China doesn't even play to the end of the tribulation. So 
brother, I think what's going on now might be the first steps in this process. Nathan, I agree. And some people might be asking the question, well, what does where where does that put the church? Where does that leave me? Well, we want people to understand that this Ezekiel 38, 39, these wars, they, these are not uh, uh, church events. In other words, we believe the next event on the calendar is the rapture of the church. And if that is so, then how much more closer are not we to the rapture of the church? Right, Nathan? Amen. Amen. And that, that's why it's so important that people get right with Jesus Christ and accept him as Savior while the time's short. Vic, you usually ask me, but how about I ask you, how does one come to know Jesus as their Savior? Nathan, that's uh, a great question. And if you're tuned into this program, maybe for, for, for the first time, and you don't have a relationship with the Lord, the Bible says in John 3, 16, that God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. The Bible also recognizes that we as human beings are sinners, that we need to repent from our sins. And that's where we turn to Jesus and we ask him to forgive us for our sins. And the Bible also says that whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So simply wherever you are, if you recognize that you've broken God's commandments, that you need God, that you want to start a relationship with him, you can do so with a very simple prayer. And you can simply repeat this prayer that I'm going to share and if you mean this prayer from your heart, God will move position his Holy Spirit from being next to you to then moving and to be inside of you. And you can call on the name of the Lord by simply, Lord Jesus, I recognize that I'm a sinner. And God, right now, I repent from my sins. I turn to you. I want to ask you, Lord, to come into my heart to be my Lord and Savior and friend. And from this day forth, I want to follow you, Jesus. In your name, I pray in Jesus' name. Very simple prayer. But if you pray that prayer and you meant it from your heart, God has granted you eternal life. And Nathan and myself rejoice and we welcome you into the kingdom of God. And that's a great news, right, Nate? That is good news. Like you said in the beginning of the show, good news, <laughs> good news. Yes. Yeah, and speaking of uh, of that, we always leave people with good news. Hopefully today, I know it was a, a bit of a heavy program, but we wanted you to understand what's really going on in Israel, keep you up to date with things, and be excited because we believe the Lord is coming back soon. So Vic Batista, Nathan Jones, saying goodbye, but the Lord bless you and keep you. May his face shine upon you. I hope you guys have a wonderful, wonderful week. God bless you.